Biggie. Actually, it's awkward because it's, you know, like TV shows. So it's season three was like the previous September through March of 76. But then season four is only September through probably March. So it's like two halves of seasons because obviously they took, they have a break. Mm. That is hard. That is hard to gauge. But maybe like Oscars, the Nielsen ratings. Hmm are divided differently and so it might be the top rated show of 1975 is for the 74 75 season well in which we'll have to we'll have to how verify we it. figure we'll it out we'll verify. i mean the same way we'll i figured verify. out the same way we verified that yeah you can say you you did it all right you compiled I'll that take it. spreadsheet i'll take it um so tell me what do you want to get rid of this week mm, oh mine is kind of serious Oh, so I mean, like, I love that. I know, I, know. I love that. Okay. Go for it. Well, it's a very obvious one and serious, and it's one that's, been, that's plagued me for a long time. Plagued me, you know, for a while, and many people, which is just that, like, there. it's crazy that we have no alternative, no, like, regularly um, available, like, everywhere alternative to plastic bags. Like, mm. you know, there are places where like uh, other states and stuff where it's like they'll charge you for a plastic bag at the grocery store or like Trader Joe's is like compostable vegetable bags or whatever, you know? Right. Um, I think DC, I think in D I don't know if it's all whole, whole foods, but I know that mm-hmm. in DC, um, if I wanted a bag, I would have to like pay like yeah, 10, like 10 cents. cents. No, yeah. exactly. And that's how it is. I think in Maine, uh, and yeah, and it's, and we, so yeah, remember, so Steven, you and I used to live together and Correct. we had like a cabinet that was that we never used just literally overflowing with plastic bags in a crazy. Uh. And it was like a terrible, it was one of the things where it's like you open it and you're like, shove it in and you close it and you try not to look at it. Cause they were just, cause you, everywhere well, you also, go, you get a plastic bag in every, New York city. Do you also recall though, that like we had another cab, this also, we had a kitchen that just had so many cabinets, weird cabinets, crazy yeah. amounts of cabinets. And they were all different. Yeah. Um, that we had another one. That was full of reusable shopping bags. <laughs> I know. But you were all, but like, when do you go? You go when you're like, okay, well, I'm getting off work now, so I'm right. going to run by the grocery store on the way yeah. home. Or in like, you know, right. we, we used in another cabinet, we <laughs> kept all the Trader Joe's bags that we used for recycling. But yeah. like, yeah. why do we have three cabinets, three cabinets devoted to. I know. And since then, bags we never used. because it was such a traumatic, when we had to move and uh-huh. we were like, wow, we have like, loads and loads of bags inside of bags that was a bad experience so i've I've been feeling like i've been purposefully doing a little better but at the same time like it's just crazy and i got i saw this really depressing video that like showed about how long it takes for plastic to break down and it was so depressing and like how has science not figured out something better immediately you know like it's crazy and like i was you know i was talking about this with with my roommate and we were talking about how I think Trader Joe's has declared that they're going to be phasing out single use plastics. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Cause like, yes, plastic bags are awful, but like all the plastic, think of like all the thing, like you ain't reusing yogurt yeah. containers, you know, the mozzarella that you get is coming in a plastic container. Yeah. And especially Trader Joe's cause every like vegetable is covered in plastic it's like a plastic oh yeah they have so much single wrapped yeah and then they have uh like anything of like cheese sticks you Mm know like how many plastic wrappings are in one bag of cheese you know like the outer one and the individual one yeah it's like a russian doll of plastic exactly and like what do we do what we have what's (laughs) what's crazy to me is we're sitting there thinking like 
but I mean, how do we get rid of it? That, that is crazy. But then it's like, well, actually, we've only had it for like 60 years. Right. And in that time, it's like destroyed our planet already. You know, yeah. like what what will happen if we don't get rid of it in like a couple of years? You know, like if in 60 years, it's already like, you know, however many million pounds of plastic like every day is. You know, right. I mean, and if you uh, eat if you eat fish. Like. You, there, there's plastic in your I blood. Know, like gross? we have in like that amount of time, <gasps> we have uh, every human has plastic in their blood. Stop. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, and then you're like, oh well, I'm just gonna do farm raised. Well, those farm raised fish have like they don't apparently if wild the reason fish look like fish like on the inside the meat is because of how they maneuver in the wild, hmm. and so there are whole companies that like are you like salmon in particular? Apparently, the pink of salmon comes from like their swimming patterns. Hmm. And so if you're that there's a company that that specializes in dyeing salmon Ugh. so that it will seem so that cuz farm raised salmon won't be pink like gross. That. That's so that's so bad. Yeah, you cannot you cannot win. You can't. Well, yeah, we can get rid of plastic. Mm-hmm. So somebody out there, somebody We just got to stop. It. We just have to yeah. I, right, but like we need to stop and replace. Like there's no if we just like stopped using plastic tomorrow, then like literally our everyday life, like almost like so many aspects of life would be like, oh, how do we deal with this now instead? Yeah. Because we only use plastic to, to d- deal with it. I mean, I, I've thought about like um, biodegradable plastic, but even then it'd have to be like, it makes it very time sensitive because mm. it's not just going to be, able, you can't just like, if, if the plastic's going to decompose, it can't just be sitting with like olive brine mm-hmm. and olives in it for like two months in your fridge it's mm-hmm. gonna like somebody's gonna have it decompose and spill everywhere hmm. is it well i don't yeah, i mean i, I, I just think works, i don't know how the time i mean right. there's there's certainly like yeah obviously i'll, I'll take that problem toilet paper happily. decomposes really quickly mm-hmm. and then like your corn plastic cup decomposes much more slowly but right. they yeah in the sun, though, they've definitely, I've seen, like, corn plastic, it melts much hmm. more readily than regular plastic. Hmm. What do we do? What do we do? Oh, my God. That's mine. What about you, Stephen? I hope it's something lighter. Well, it... It's not. Might be. Okay. It it might be. Um, I was going to give you the choice Ugh. between something <laughs> I want to get rid of and something that I want to add. Okay. Well... I'm not... I've done that before and you haven't. So I feel like you should add something. Add something? Yeah. Great. Because I don't remember what I wanted to get rid of. Perfect. Um, although they're kind of the, oh, I do. Okay. Well, just tell us one of them. Yeah. Save, um, it, save it for next time. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I'm going to feel awkward talking about this. All but right. Let's go. Let's yeah, do it. Let's do I'm it. excited. I was in the I was in the strand because I wanted to pick up my next book. Awkward. Um, very yeah. awkward. Very yep. awkward. It's an awkward. A place. lot of bookos <laughs> in there. <laughs> little Libra files. Um Bibliophile. Bibliophiles? Yeah. All right, whatever. Get out of here. Whatever. You call um, yourself a Libra file? Come on. Right, whatever. Keep going. Um, I love freedom, okay? <laughs> I'm a Librafile. <laughs> no. Um but I was like, I know that it's been a while since I've read any sort of like uh, feminist nonfiction. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd like to do that again. Um, just cause like it's important, especially it's if important. you're like, if you are a man, yeah, you yeah. need to be mm-hmm. doing, doing that also because there's <laughs> something to, because there's something very specific to like, like you can have conversations, but like when you're talking to somebody, they're like kind of judging how they're being perceived by you. So they're kind of mitigating what they're saying. So like if you're reading it, like you can't affect their description by like facial expressions, et cetera. So like it's more hard hitting, I guess I should say. You lost me, but keep Well, your facial expressions are making me, are mitigating what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I just like, you can be more honest. If, if you're writing it down, writing down anything, opinions, okay. <laughs> okay. come on. So you, um, okay. So, but so. basically I found, I was like looking through stuff and I found this, this collection of essays and maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. Um, I felt this is a bit awkward. Um, <laughs> it's called moan mm. and it's a collection right. of anonymous essays on female orgasm. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really, they were, the women who contributed were given like a number of vague prompts and it was, but it was also like, just take it and run with it and do kind of whatever you want. Um, And the essays are super varied. Some of them are really funny. Some of them, and then some of them are like wildly tragic. Um, And so yesterday is not the day I'm in. I'm talking about um, Sunday. I was <laughs> nice, smooth. <laughs> today that is Tuesday, smooth. and uh, <laughs> on Sunday, I was with my roommate, and I like, I picked one up, and I just started reading part of it. I, like, I read something, and I wanted to to share it, so I read it out loud, and then he was like, "What are you reading?" And then so I was explained it to him. Then I read the, I just like finished reading the essay aloud. Mm -hmm. And then we basically read like 50 essays to one another. Um, And so like. That sounds beautiful. I mean, it was really great because also like you think it would be something that you would be like self-conscious about or even like it's about orgasming. Right. So you think there'd be something kind of comical, but you really can't. If you're reading it aloud. You there's something different about like reading it to yourself and reading it aloud. Part of it, I think, is because some of them are so hard. It's hard not to just like check out Mm. um, and have it be sort of academic. But like if you're reading it aloud, you have to engage Right. As the reader. And I mean, that sort of prompted us to be in discussion. He's he's a, he's a cisgendered gay man. I'm a cisgendered heterosexual man. And like we were able to have a different we were able to talk about like it prompted all this discussion about like patriarchy and sex and things that he doesn't have to worry about that I do and like how he fits into the narrative in a different way that I fit into the patriarchal narrative. And we were able to talk about like, just we were able to have like a a big discussion. And I honestly just, I think what I'd like to add is people should be like reading this book 
together and like in groups really. And like, I do think I'm almost never of this opinion, but I think because of the nature of it, like I think it'd probably be good for like women to read with each other. And it probably, and it's definitely, I think good for men to read with each other. I think that if they were reading them in sort of co-ed groups, then there might be this weird dynamic of like the men being like, is this true of you or like which one's true for you? And then the women being feeling like, self-conscious about Mm -hmm. what they're giving away in terms of what they identify with and what they don't. And, and I think that like there'd just be more freedom for everyone involved if, if that wasn't like a part of the dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I've been, yeah, I was just a, I've been really inspired by this collection of essays and then like B found it so moving to be, to be engaging with the book in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. you want to, so I like that you, yeah. So you want to add to our society, the idea of like groups and places where people can go and read this book slash talk about sex and orgasms. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, Agreed. do That's you want, I mean, cause like I was thinking about this with, um, about how like I, mean, I think it's often talked about how like you know we don't have we don't have education in terms of how to have good sex we only have like how to avoid diseases and pre- pregnancy and that kind of thing and like that's true but we also like like don't even know i mean maybe society like ha- has you in a position where you feel more easily talking to women about like just how you work, but like, I have not had like that conversation mm-hmm. with like any men yeah. ever. This is literally what I'm writing a new play about. So, oh, yeah, yeah, oh right, so I'm, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah, very excited yeah, yeah. that you're talking about this, and yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I definitely want to add like an openness to that kind of discussion because it also it gives you a reference point to like how you fit in mm-hmm. to all that. Like it, you know, there's things that we can can consider dysfunction that aren't or you know like what's a problem that you're having that's specific to you or what's just like a thing that everyone has to sort of figure out yeah you know between themselves and then also if it's demystified in that way then you're also like when you are having sex with a partner you're able to like sort of you're not in this realm where you're thinking like, okay, these are like objective points to hit to lead to both my and their satisfaction. It's more like a, oh, let we can feel less self-conscious about having a dialogue about how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about sex more. Fucking, yeah. Fucking obviously. Doi. How do we do that? We all, I was saying that it's like, there's, there's two things besides like going to the bathroom that like every human being has, which is like a sexuality and a relationship to it. Mm. And like, why is it that like these incredibly common things that are like ubiquitous in terms of the human experience are things that are just like, why are they more difficult to talk about than like things that are more unique? Yeah. Well, because of our endless legacy of, shame and patriarchy and mm. yeah all these things we gotta dismantle yeah you know? ja. yeah 
So on that note, on love that it. note, <laughs> let's get to the dismantling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so welcome. Now this is should we keep this? It's the cultural review podcast. Gina. No. No. <laughs> No? Do you? Do you know I mean, it? I know it, and Do you I love, love it, it, but I don't know. If people know it and love it? They're gonna. Just give them they're time. They're gonna. We're you giving know? it time. Okay, well, it's the <laughs> Cultural Review, ca- Review Podcast that if you don't know it and love it now, you certainly will. And we look past uh, the 50... <laughs> will they really? They're gonna, not going to love look, it if you introduce it like this, Shut Steven. up. <laughs> not that I'm silencing rude. you. Rude. Patriarchy. Not that I'm silencing you. Get out. Patriarchy, it touches us all. Look, I'm I'm self. I hope that I, okay. look, I'm right, self-critical, and just I'm, go, I'm gonna have to live fine. with yeah. what just happened. Go ahead. But we're gonna go over the past <laughs> fifty years of film, music, television. We're gonna challenge your nostalgia to give it the question: Should we? Should, should we? Should we talk should in we, a creepy voice like this? Should we keep this? We should not keep that voice. I'm <laughs> Stephen Moskus. I'm Gina Stevenson. Today, no, we are talking about. <laughs> I really can't. Jaws and the film. Okay, so it's 1975, and we're talking about the film Jaws, which was the top grossing film, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which was the best picture winner. Best picture winner. You're going to need to stop that, I think, probably. Wow, silencing me too? Yeah, I'm happy to in this moment. Wow. Sorry, but not sorry. Um, Great. That was awkward. Yeah, let's get into but, it. You know, let's get into it. <laughs> let's hear. Let's, let's talk hear about, about them. Which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Jaws or do you want to start with How do did you know? I had a feeling. Yeah. Well, we also both said Jaws first, so that's a good clue. Mm. Jaws, the top-grossing film of 1975. Um, it is a thriller. Um, I'd guess. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's like a, a. It's like a. It's like a monster, monster movie thriller, nature yeah. thriller. Okay, so it takes place on Amity Island uh, in New England. I think in Massachusetts. Pretty sure they never really say, but yeah. they mention like Cape Cod and mm. Boston and stuff. So it begins with this beach party um, where basically it's nighttime, and this young woman goes skinny dipping in the ocean, and then she's violently pulled under the water, and it's all bloody and ah, scary. And then the yeah. next day, her partial remains are found on the beach. Yes. Um, Martin, and we meet Martin Brody, who is the new police chief, relatively new, um, who moved here to this island from New York with his wife and his two sons. Um, and he does not like the water. He like, yeah, he's just like a, doesn't ever go on boats, doesn't go swimming, you know, uh, uh, just like, yeah, not into it. Um, but he moved here because it's like quiet and it's a beautiful, peaceful town and it's a nice place to rose, raise their family. Um, and so basically, uh, Brody learns when this woman's remains are found on the beach that the medical examiner has cataloged it as a shark attack. <gasps> but, um, and so he's about to go and close the beach because if there's a shark, we don't want the beaches open. Um, but then the mayor um, con- basically convinces them like that it was a boating accident. He kind of blows it over because this 4th of July is coming up and that's a huge weekend for Amity Island and they rely on summer tourism. That's how they make all their money. So the beaches can't be closed. So it was a boating accident. There's Mm -hmm. no shark. Everything's fine. But then unfortunately there is another shark attack in broad daylight and this little boy gets killed. Um, and the boy's mom offers this bounty for whoever will kill the shark because she's, you know, really upset obviously Mm -hmm. because her child was killed by a shark. 
Um, and so her bounty off prompts this crazy frenzy of all these like amateur fishermen being like, I'm going to kill that shark. It's no big deal. Um, and so they all kind of like start trying to do that. Uh, and then there's also at the same time this local professional shark hunter who is this very shifty seafarer uh, named Quint. I always thought it was Quinn, but it's Quint, mm-hmm. the T on the end, um, who says he'll kill the shark for $10,000. Um, but it's like, that's a lot of money. We can handle this. Uh, we don't even know what's happening. Um, and then this oceanographer named Hooper arrives, and he confirms after looking at the remains of this woman that it was definitely a huge shark that killed her. Um, and so of the like fisher- l- fishermen trying to catch the shark, they some local fishermen catch a tiger shark, and everyone's like, great, problem solved. But Hooper, the oceanographer, you know, is like, definitely it was a way bigger shark that did this. Um, this is not the problem. Turn your phone off, Stephen. Oh, my computer. <laughs> it is now muted. Let me check if mine is. Okay, mine is too. Yeah. Um, so basically the mayor, though, the mayor refuses to close the beaches, even though Hooper is like, no, we, the big shark is still out there because this mayor, you know, it's 4th of July weekend now. And like all the tourists are here. They cannot say there's a shark. There will be a panic. Um So 4th of July comes around and the beaches are crowded and people are starting to go into the water. And when the shark strikes again, who would have thought? Uh, And it kills this boater guy, this boat guy. That's just this guy. Um, And also causes Brody's oldest son to go into shock. So now it's like, this is getting personal. And so finally the mayor is convinced and he agrees to hire Quint to find and kill the shark. And for some reason, Quint takes Brody with him on the voyage, even though he hates water, uh, has no experience on a boat, but decides you have to come with me. Um, And also Hooper comes along because he wants to be a part of it, of course, as the oceanographer. Uh, And so they set out to find and kill the shark. And they have quite the adventure on the seas. And they do find the shark and shoot it a whole bunch of times with like harpoons. Um, But it's really, really big. It's this giant great white shark. Uh, and eventually it like destroys their boat and it kills Quint, it, like chomps him in half. Um, yeah. um, and as the boat is like sinking into the water, Brody is like on the crow's nest and he finally sh- he's able to shoot a gas tank that the shark swallowed and it explodes. Um, and so the last thing we see is Brody and Hooper just swimming back to shore, having killed the shark. And that's Jaws. Boom, boom, boom. What, uh, this one has definitely had a pretty lasting, large impact, oh, yeah. I'd say. Would oh, you, yeah. would you sure. agree? I mean, people <laughs> just know Jaws. Like, yeah. uh, the, the, the thing about um, th- what I, I think it's funny that um, one of the big impacts is just like a shark. I feel like the number one impact is probably just a big shark being synonymous with the term jaws like even mm. though that even though like there are jaws like quint has a huge collection mm. of jaws they never like say jaws in it's the true. movie they never say jaws and hmm. yet you know now they're just mm. like oh this you know jaws and it's like they just look at a shark <laughs> and they call it jaws um just people just people just people yeah. look at sharks all the time call hundo, them jaws hundo p, hundo p. Know this. <laughs> i hate that abbreviation we of yours know this <laughs> Um, yeah, so this movie uh, had a budget of $9 million. It made 123 at mm. the box office. Um, so uh, Zanuck and Brown, who I believe you remember from The Sting, they... Um, I don't. Those are actors? What? No, producers. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. they read the book, and they were like, this is the most interesting book that I have 
ever read. <laughs> um, and so they, they like quoted, optioned they're it. quoted on saying that? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Just want to check. And then, um, no, I'm not extrapolating. Okay, I'm, good, good. Yeah, good. that's what they said. Yeah, funnily though, Spielberg was like, thought that the plot was like super convoluted because the, the writer wrote the screenplay and then the Spielberg thought the plot was really convoluted. So he was like, all right, how about this? I'll rewrite the beginning and then we'll make the like second half true to the book. Mm. So like the, the chase on the boat, it's like that's true to the book. But Spielberg took lots of artistic license building yeah. the first part, cool. which is also why it's very. They're just they're just very different. Like it goes yeah. from they're really different parts yeah. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes from like lots of crowns. Um, there's a there, at first I was like, oh, this is gonna be. I, I feel like there was surprise. There was a surprising amount of like diversity in the in the mm-hmm. in the extras and things i mean more than i would expect to see in an uh, in this sure. actual town yeah well because it was i mean yeah once they started bringing the tourists in mm-hmm. that's when you saw any diversity mm-hmm. right um now they actually they didn't want uh spielberg didn't want roy scheider because he was afraid that he would be too much of a French connection tough guy. Mm-hmm. An understandable fear. Yeah. We he didn't w- like that movie. Well, <laughs> we didn't like that movie. And also, Quint is supposed to, not Quint, damn it. Brody. Um, Brody. Yeah. Supposed is supposed to be like an everyman, you know? Is yeah. supposed to be, because um, th- they sort of represent Quint is like Ahab and this like mm-hmm. spiritual, there's like the spiritual hunt for the shark. And then Richard Dreyfus is like science, mm-hmm. and then he's sort of representing the the everyman, right? Um, and so he wanted somebody who could be like vulnerable and kind of nervous, right. and yeah, yeah. And, he did um, a very and nice job. so yeah, he did quite a good job. But they offered it to um, Robert Duvall and Charlton Heston first, and both of them turned it down. So basically, mm-hmm. it fell to Scheider. This was Spielberg's second movie. What? Yeah. He um his first movie though was like a car chase and he was really hesitant to take the movie because his it was just called car chase no it was oh. about a, a car chase oh well, um, okay oh it was just a car chase well it was about like trucks uh hold on fine hold on one second. was it called cars when it was animated Shh. and talking Look, I, <laughs> cars I'm just I'm I'm give me two seconds some live action googling but live action googling baby research um <laughs> no but he the, the phrase he used was that he didn't want to become a truck and shark director <laughs> which that trope you know yeah the, the trope Tr- of the truck, truck and, and shark. shark but i was I, I did make me feel like he just didn't want to be um like michael bay <laughs> like it yeah. just seemed like oh like you're afraid of being Michael Bay that's <laughs> what you're afraid of. Um, when it's fun, the yeah, Sugarland Express is oh, what it's called. Never heard of it. Um, but in him, the way that he since he rewrote the beginning, like that, I like made a difference in terms of like it not feeling just like like the the movie like had way more hunt. depth to oh, them. So like he would not For just sure. see be seen as a truck and shark guy. Right, and then and then the he was sort of insured by the studio it's like look if you make this movie it's a hit like you'll be able to make whatever movie mm-hmm. you want mm-hmm. um 
that uh, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus were both cast like nine days out from filming, which is kind of wild. They like were struggling wow. to cast those parts. Um, I did give a good old thumbs up to to Robert Shaw because he got on the um, he got on that opening title card before the the film we mm, know how so he's, he's a stickler for that right that's right um yeah, yeah. Da, da, this was um lorraine gray his wife that was her first film but she didn't really take off um there was supposed to be this film went massively over budget and massively over time this was supposed to have 55 shooting days guess how many shooting days it had i'm gonna just say 200 Said it went. Was that too much? Sorry, I hate it when people. But 159. Okay. Wow, yeah, that's crazy, that's right? It is a lot. Yeah. Isn't it annoying when you're like, it was so many. Guess what? And then the person guesses way more than what it actually is, and it makes it feel yeah, like it was like, less. Yeah, you're like, oh no. Yeah, mm, it's annoying. Okay. Um, uh, Richard Dreyfus actually didn't want to play Hooper, but he just did. He went to a screening of a film that he that was about to be released of his, mm. and he thought that it was so bad he was afraid he would never work again, so he took it just so that he would like have another film in the can wow. that was going to come out. Um, uh, this scene is also seen as like the end of the new, of like new Hollywood. Like even though it's still kind of a new Hollywood film that it ushered in an era of films that were like, had much more studio control um, that uh, I was reading this essay that, that describes Steven Spielberg as like a Trojan horse of new Hollywood that he seemed like he was this like artistic director, but actually led to, uh, re-emergence of the power of big studios. Hmm. Um, something that was really cool, Verna Fields, um, she was the editor who, she won the Oscar for film editing that year, and Jaws was such a success that she became the vice president of feature film production at Universal and is like one of the only women to ever hold a position an equivalent position at like any major Hollywood studio. Hmm. Um, John Williams did the theme music. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, I was going to say, baby. you can't talk about this movie without talking about that song. And he has the most no uh, Oscar nominations for any living person. I just thought that wow. was funny, but yeah, no. Um, so then as far as the things that I think are the most famous are probably the theme music definitely um <laughs> the theme music is probably the most famous and then just jaws becoming synonymous with a shark and then after that like you're gonna need a bigger boat mm -hmm. that's like the <laughs> thing. although although what's funny is he says you're gonna need a bigger boat mm -hmm. and i feel like what i hear people say most of the time is we're gonna need a bigger boat mm. and i'm wow you disagree yeah, right why yeah, I don't know. I feel like, well, I, whether or not like it's still the same, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make enough of a difference to me personally. That's all that I'm, my re reaction was. Oh, okay. But sure. Okay. No, okay. It's fine. Uh, it's it's, it's accurate, but it's, it's fine. Okay. Well, I'm still referencing it. You know, that's the point. I see. Yeah. This is a fraught episode. Yeah. Should, um, should I should we move yeah, on? Yeah, we can or move on. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's move on. Now, oh, 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 oh before things. I do oh, that, yeah. this was um, the first film to heavily invest in television advertising as a way of promotion. So apparently, I had no idea about this, um, 
apparently films used to, you know how they'll do like they'll open in select theaters and then do a wide release. Mm-hmm. So apparently just the normal way everything happened was small release and then increasingly bigger release and then effectively sales reviews and word of mouth drove the success of a film. And then this film was the first film, which makes sense. Like it's it's only been a short period of time that like the average household is going to have a television. So like investing heavily in television advertising might not be a relevant thing. Um, But this film did. And then they did like a limited release, but then very shortly after a massive release. And so it also decreased the emphasis of film reviews because so many people before your review even comes out are going to have access to the film as opposed to like before when people would really only have access to your review for potentially like a long time before the film actually made it to them. Um, Mm. So yeah, apparently that it's jaws is the thing that shifted movie marketing Hmm. from like release schedule to advertising and like commercial movie trailers and things very interesting wow right cool right um well let's also let's talk about one flew over the cuckoo's nest as well y'all um the best picture winner um this is uh this is a, a called a comedy drama on the wikipedia because I, I couldn't figure out a genre for it b- uh, to me it's more I, yeah i honestly so we'll stick with comedy drama um, yeah i mean i i feel like it it's not super unusual for like f- uh, for like some films to yeah to sort of defy yeah a genre for sure right i feel i feel like uncomfortable in this oh i didn't give a this is the year genre. of I have such a good one. Oh it's my so God. What obvious. What is even happening to us? What is oh, even what is happening wrong? to us? I know us? this is such a weird day. What a w- God. 1975. This is the year of that's a big fish. And it's a really obvious one because Jaws, duh. But then they also catch, there's fishing and they catch a really big fish Fair. in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's that's Nest. That's true. So that that's a big fish. That's a big unifying factor. Damn, what? I can't believe I didn't say that before. Oh, well. Okay. So One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So this is set in the early 60s, apparently in Oregon. I couldn't figure out where it was set until I looked it up afterwards. Um, And it begins when this um, criminal, Randall McMurphy, played by Jack Nicholson, is moved to a mental institution after serving some of his sentence on a prison work farm. Um, And he was sentenced uh, because of statutory rape, which he does not deny. Um, and it's clear from the beginning when he arrives that he is probably not actually mentally ill. Um, and the hypothesis given by like the doctors and everyone is that he just kind of wants to avoid working and basically serve the rest of his sentence in a place where he thinks it will be easier. Um, and so the ward he's placed on is run by Nurse Ratchet, who, um, uh, who I think I would just describe her as sort of unflinching and... Uh, mm-hmm kind of like a, a strong presence. Um, although, according to, again to Wikipedia, because I was curious, she is, quote, a steely, passive-aggressive tyrant who intimidates her patients in order to keep them in line. So I'm just going to drop that there so later we can talk about Nurse Ratchet and how she's perceived. Um, I read some I, I read some other things as well about yeah. Nurse Ratchet and what 
the actor brought to it versus how the perception by mm. uh, by the director. So mm, I look forward okay. to that conversation. As yeah, well. for sure. But I feel like anyway. But yeah, okay. We'll talk about that in the cultural part too. Because I have okay. Um, anyway, so she runs the ward, um, and basically McMurphy uh, or Mac, as they call him, starts you know getting to know the other patients. Um, a lot of some of the movie is just sort of like him learning who else is here and like what they're like. Um, and one of the patients who he kind of befriends the most is this very imposing Native American man who everyone just calls Chief, uh, who is believed to be deaf and dumb because he has never spoken and he seems to not be able to hear and everything. Um, and so Mac has this very lively and rebellious presence, which is very kind of in contrast to the way Nurse Ratchet sort of wants the ward to be so that it can function, you know, kind of regularly and normally. And so Mac is always kind of like stirring things up and, you know, getting people excited. Right. Um, and he basically just in order to prove that he's crazy enough so that they won't send him back to prison, he steals this hospital bus and he drives a whole bunch of the patients to the ocean where they steal a boat and they go on this wild fishing trip and catch a big fish. Um, but then when he returns, uh, he basically learns that his sentence could become indefinite and basically like unlike prison, they don't have to release him until they decide that he's ready to be released. Um, and this really like is a surprise and makes him really mad. And he also finds out that a lot of the other patients there are there voluntarily. Um, they don't actually have to be there. Um, and so he basically starts making plans to escape. And his idea is that he'll like lift this huge marble like water therapy thing and he would like throw it out the window. But it's like obviously way too heavy for anyone to ever lift. Um, or so we think. Uh, and then, so basically, one day, uh, there's this, like, group therapy session, which they have regularly, and it turns really wild because Nurse Ratched has started rationing their cigarettes for the patients because the patients were, like, doing too much betting and, like, losing all their money to Mac. So she's rationed their cigarettes, and, like, the, some of the patients are getting angry, and then there's sort of almost like a riot, and the Mac and the chief end up, like, fighting some orderlies. Um, and so basically, because of that, uh, Mac and the chief are given uh, electro, or I don't know if the chief is actually, but Mac is given electroshock therapy. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of implied that they they all receive yeah. something because Cheswick is right. rolled out on like like a gurney. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he gets electroshock therapy. Um, and basically this experience sort of only, you know, even further solidifies Mac's idea and desire to escape with chief. Um, and so then one night, Mac, it's like, okay, we're going to escape, we're going to do it. And so Mac basically bribes the night guard with some money uh, and a bunch of liquor to let his girlfriend and her friend into the, um, into the institution. And so like these two women bring in a bunch of booze. And a lot, a lot of it's booze. Wild. How, I'm like, how did you like, carry? They have all one that? brown paper bag, but it's like there's thirty five thousand bottles of alcohol everywhere. Um, and so the ward descends into this like chaos, debauchery. Like everyone's drinking and like pouring wine or like boo alcohol through like people's mm. like IVs. It looked right. like and, yeah, like, but like it, shit it, it, is crazy. Yeah. And they're like smashing stuff and um, and basically. And one of the patients who is named Billy, who we learned earlier, you know, is he's he was suicidal at some points. Um, he wants to sleep with Mac's girlfriend. Um, he really likes her. Basically, well, yeah, he doesn't he really want to sleep her, with her. He wants yeah. to date her. 
And then so Mac basically sends her in there into a room with him and being like, here you go. Go. It won't take long. Go make him happy. Right. Um, and then so um, Mac accidentally basically falls asleep and has missed his chance to escape. And so the next morning, um, Nurse Ratched comes and finds all the, the like crazy this crazy scene with everybody asleep everywhere and everything all the shits effed up. Um, and she also discovers Billy in this room with this woman who he had slept with. And so Nurse Ratched threatens to tell Billy's mom that he had sex with this woman. And then Billy slashes his wrists and kills himself. And basically, Mac is kind of clearly blamed for all of this because, yes, it was his fault. Yeah. Um, and so he gets a lobotomy, whoa, for his actions, basically turning him into a vegetable. And so the chief, as an act of mercy, smothers him uh, with his forearm <laughs> and then... Uh, right, a with a pillow? Oh, okay. I feel like it's it was just his straight head. up his forearm. No. That's all. Okay. No. It was a dark scene. It was hard to tell. It was. And then he picks up that super heavy marble thing from earlier and he because th- he's super strong and he throws it out the window and he like yeah. jumps out the window and escapes on his own. And yeah. that's the movie. John. John. Um, this is movie. It was made for four point four million dollars. Grossed one hundred nine million in North America. Um, fun fact. Jack Nicholson was the only actor who didn't do the film for scale for scale. Oh, uh, scale is like basically minimum wage. So like you have like a certain amount weekly salary Mm. that is the lowest that any actor can be paid. Um, set by SAG. Uh, there's like equity scale too. Mm. Um, it's like, I think for like a stage musical, it's like 2200 or something Mm. like that. So it's like the, the chorus member standing all the way in the back. Who's only in one scene. If it's in a Broadway show, can't be paid less than that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so right. obviously the lead is paid way more sure. um but like in this film every single one of them worked for scale wow. um and it was chris something that There's was wild some stars in there stars in this movie christopher lloyd christopher lloyd this was his film debut wow and like he is by far like holy shit the most successful from this film if you look at his filmography i mean Danny i mean DeVito. it's weird so like well, that's a, it's a weird exactly. thing with like character actors because like they're you know a, a character actor can do like three hundred movies and you not know who they are. Um, but he basically did. There are a few fil- years where he like one film came out. But there were there are numerous years where three to four movies came out where he wow. was in, and I mean like two today, which is wild, gnarly. Um, Gross. Yeah, Jack. Uh, Something that I thought was a bit, it made me uncomfortable, was that, um, so Jack Nicholson is, like, really good friends with Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. and, like, Roman Polanski's statutory rape actually took place at Jack Nicholson's house. Oh. Jack Nicholson wasn't there, like, he was actually on a film set, but Angelica Houston apparently was, like, she wasn't supposed to be there either. She was going in to like get her stuff because like they had just had like a big public breakup. Um, but yeah, he was like really good friends mm-hmm. with Polanski and yeah. It, and so like it just made me uncomfortable since like he's in, in, right, he has, he is in jail for remorselessly 
We're going to talk about that later. Having, I, I put a question this, mark there. I didn't declaratively okay, sure. say that it was remorseless. I just said that. No, well, I think it's blanketly remorseless. I'm just saying our judgment on it is for later. Oh, I didn't realize I had judgment in there. Oh, Uh, if I I did, I apologize. Oh, well, I I bet. I can read you like Mm, a bibliophile. Like a a fucking (laughs) book. You read me like a book. Um, Yeah, and this was uh, Danny DeVito's first movie also, but he played played that role in the off-Broadway production like 12 years before 12 years earlier um, i did not know it was him and even when i looked up the fact that he was in the movie i had to like scour through the i was like who could he be and like his face looks so different i he i did not recognize oh, no him. I, he looked nothing like him i was like what it there was, was crazy yeah. yeah and did you know that he met his wife like they met he went to see her in a show and then five weeks later they moved in together and they're still together today that was like in the seventies, right? Oh. Re Ray Rhea Rhea Perlman Ray Perlman Rhea. Mm, I, I know the like they both play Matilda's mom and dad in Matilda. Oh, so if that gives you a mental I picture, I did know that. That's yeah. amazing that they're um, actually married. That's right. Ugh. Um, so great. A lot of careers were were launched after this. Um, the guy who played uh, Cheswick, he hadn't done films for like eleven years, but then he was a like a consistent character actor mm-hmm. after this um the guy who played uh, billy bibbit these are all he, patients these mm-hmm. are patients yes mm-hmm. his career was launched to the one um he worked a lot afterwards the the role that i most recognize him from is actually uh uh worm tongue in the lord of the rings yeah that's him that's him, that's him. lots of makeup that is him wait what is his name the actor uh the it, his name is brad it looks french so i'm gonna say derif wow yeah He's like huh. not nearly as like thin and sure. like Brooklyn looking. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, he just looks like he'd be like in a coffee shop wearing like a flannel and vans. Oh, yeah. He's a like natural a, hipster. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Wild. Yeah. He goes to Parsons School of Design. <laughs> Kill me. Sorry. Uh, Dan, Parsons, if, yeah. If you uh, no, Parsons, I have no problem with Parsons, cool. but I'm yeah. sure it's filled with lots of hipsters. Um, uh, Will Sampson, the guy that played the chief discovered he was working at a car dealership and then uh the basically the car dealer met michael douglas on an airplane and he was talking to him about needing a a big guy for the character and the guy was like oh i just wow. yeah there was a native american guy that was the biggest son of a bitch okay this is awful i there can't go. Say, this. Say, say the quote you say the quote oh god he so he was talking to michael douglas about it and then he called him up and he said uh, pardon me, he was, t- he was talking to a used car dealer. This guy came in to buy a car. And he goes, uh, told him that the biggest son of a bitch Indian came in the other Ooh. day. Um, yeah, it was really great. Why would you um, say that, And Steven? that's how... <sighs> God, who told you to... You know what? Oh. If we quote bad people, we're still saying it. You know? No, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have to mm-hmm. live with that. But he did... Um, he went on to have a career for about... 13 years um unfortunately the the guy who who played harding Mm -hmm. he died like a year later at age 49 from from leukemia wow yeah um this was his second to last movie he was in the original cast of our town 
Um, he was 11, so he could have only played her little brother. Um, and then he was also one of the founding members of the Actors Studio, which is also crazy. <laughs> I mean, for those, uh, you know, founded by Lee Strasberg, also known as, what was his actual name in The Godfather? I don't want to call him the Jew. Um, I'm glad you didn't. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to, and I won't. I won't do that. Oh, I don't remember. I, th- I know who you're talking about, but yeah. I don't remember. I can look it up. You keep talking. Yeah, oh, you do that. You uh, look it up through your memory. And Live action memory yeah. Googling. But, um, yeah, so, like, uh, it's just really cool because that's, like, a major part of u.s theater history the actor's studio so he uh, he is like a founding member i mean mm-hmm. it's it really cool um then so this film was optioned by kirk douglas because he did the original stage version um and so he optioned it because he wanted to make a movie he couldn't get anyone to make it so then he gave the rights to his son michael douglas and when he was able to get the financing they wouldn't let Kirk Douglas be McMurphy because he was too old. Like, how sad is that? That, like, you were like, I want oh. to play this in the movie. I'm going to buy it. it and late. then it, it became too late for you. That, that's sad. That sad. Um, but then he found somebody, Saul Zantz, who personally financed the movie. I thought that was insane. Um, Thank you, Saul. But, yeah, Saul later went on to to produce Amadeus and the English patient and got in a long fight with Peter Jackson because he also like produced the, the Hobbit and like owned the live action credits, the live action rights hmm. to like Tolkien stuff. So he ended up with a, in a, in a big fight. Um, Hyman Roth, by the way, is the name. Hyman the Roth. Char- the yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was Milos Forman's fourth American film. He, had, he was doing a lot of Czechoslovakian cinema before this. He went on to do Hair, Ragtime, Amadeus, The People vs. Larry Flint, Man mm-hmm. on the Moon, um, The Writer, uh, Bo Goldman. He was like he was the main writer. He went on to write Scent of a Woman and Meet Joe Black. And yeah, as far as like watching the movie, I wasn't really struck by anything that i was like "Ooh, you know what i see this all the time um so when i was looking up references like how do we in culture sort of refer to this film um there are a lot of different references to like harsh authority figures being called nurse, nurse ratchet, ratchet. No, that's, and then yeah that was my so little you aside were, thing yeah yeah what did you do you know of oh, we like, didn't even do this for jaws either like did you watch the movie anyways yeah like the the way we start, how we do you did you see the movie before? What did you know? Blah blah blah. Sorry to no, but like did yeah. you so but but you had heard of yeah 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 of yeah uh, yeah. So I had never seen this movie before. Now um, had you read the book? No. Okay. No. Me either. Um, I just kind of knew vaguely that it was set in a uh, mental institution, uh, mental hospital, and yeah, I had heard like Nurse Ratched being like thrown around as sort of like the the you know quintessential like you know like authoritarian Mm -hmm. really mean hard ass like yeah rules following no fun but like mean like yeah because they are mean you know yeah i and then the other thing is like referencing if somebody the other thing that there's a lot of tuition or a lot of references is just if somebody is 
they're calling somebody crazy, they might say that they flew over the cuckoo's nest. That's in a number of <laughs> films, <laughs> etc., uh, and television shows. But those are the only the two. Those are like the two big things that I felt like mm-hmm. were referenced. Everything else is kind of unique, not unique, but like not really alive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you disagree? No, I'm just trying to think. Really, I, I but yeah, like, like I no, no, yeah, because I feel like I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not answering because I don't have an actual like specific reference point. But I feel like some of the like scenes in the like the like medication time, like some of the, the like and like the playing card. Like I feel like I've seen usually like I don't know other things set in like a mental hospital where like the environment is very similar, but also like that's just maybe because that's of the environment so actually i yeah i don't have an answer yeah i mean because there is a question of i think there we did get like a cultural fascination with like insanity and whether or not it's like are we insane or Mm -hmm. is society Mm -hmm. insane um i wasn't not jack nicholson (laughs) but um that's good yeah i think that that is also just sort of a i mean in if if that's where we're going you know that's in uh that Eminem music video, um, and Kathy Griffin plays Nurse Ratchet. If we're gonna go that way, oh. if we're gonna go that way, uh, okay, G- Gina. I, didn't I take said us that way. if we're gonna mm-hmm. go that way. Good. We're All right. Not. Are we ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. One. Uno. Two. Goes trace. Three. Both. Jaws. Keep. Just no? Jaws. Just Jaws. All right. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. Let's, let's talk. talk about it. Hash it out. Um, okay, actually, I have yeah. a question. Okay. Jaws. Okay. If you had to rate one to ten Whoa. how much you were keeping it, what would you do? What Whoa. would you rate? This is, th- you're throwing me a curveball, Steve. I am. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, and I would give it like an eight. All right. Like All a, right. Like a All seven right. or an eight. Okay. Um, yeah. You want to talk about Jaws first? Yeah. No, of course. I really, of course, of course. Of course. We, we're always starting this? with Jaws because I want your opinion. Um, yeah, I really, I just thought that like, uh, the, the way this movie was filmed and like the cinematography and also the writing, especially in like before they go on the boat, like, um, the editing too, I actually noticed like, which I never feel like I noticed in a movie, um, like was so, so fun and so well done. Um, and so tight, uh, that it was just like, as far as like watching a film, Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, I was really surprised at how well it sort of like stands up as far as like film craft, you know, and it like yeah. really is a, a really beautifully made film. It's certainly uh, something I was really surprised by is how much of, how much humor is in the movie. And there was literally, mm-hmm. there was a writer that was hired to do rewrites and his name was Carl Gottlieb. Um, but he's credited with being the one to sort of introduce as much of the humor as he mm-hmm. did in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. There I was, was surprised at it it just funny. how funny it, it is was. for uh, a horror mm, yeah. action film. Yeah, totally. And I think, and I do believe this maybe is like a cultural reference thing, but that this is one of like the first films and certainly the most ubiquitous for like the idea of like not showing you the Yes. monster you know and yeah. like so the whatever the evil thing is or like the the predator like just not seeing it and like how actually like revolutionary kind of like that that was of like not actually showing us mm. this thing which makes it of course like so much more scary you know 
Yeah, it was um, a when I'm I'm thinking of it now, like in terms of fiction, Lord of the Flies is very much a way, uh, like has a very similar villain, but but in terms of a film, yeah, the the idea of the unseen monster. Also, um, this is one of the first films to play with the difference between with silence as music basically mm-hmm. and like how much can be implied through the lack of sound mm-hmm. that there, there was so much with like but that means like mm-hmm. the shark is there and then if it cuts out it's mm-hmm. like it, it was one of the first films to play with what is what is the instant yeah. lack of the sound. music mean totally yeah. and even and like the perspective it's like you know we'll see shots from like the point of view of like being above the water and then like shots like almost from the shark's point of view you know like which just like also building that tension Mm -hmm. um which is really wonderful and yeah and i i like the the story is like pretty simple and like but i think you're right like when you had mentioned the ways those the three main characters of the three men are different like it's i feel like the characters are really clear and really like actually really well written. Um, Mm. And I really, you know, my, my, like the reason it's not a 10 is because I would love there to be more female characters and like more room for actual development of them. But I really actually love the, the marriage and the relationship between Brody and his wife. Mm -hmm. Like there's a scene where like, he's all upset and she just like sits down, like hands him a scotch and she's like, want to get drunk and fool around and like and he, although and i, just I like, was like, like <laughs> he, this man is a severe alcoholic like there there I mean, was like no question couple of days right. though steven Agreed. like you know oh, fine. um okay. but i just like really and i can't even like say that line in a way that like makes it like it was such a um yeah she just did a really great job and like i felt mm-hmm. such a sense of like partnership between them um and but of course like we only see her kind of like as a support for him you know and like as a concerned mother you know so like we don't actually get enough development from her and there's not really any other women in the movie um so that is like my main drawback but like the scene they're just like one of the best scenes i feel like i have ever seen what the scene where they're on the boat and like it's dark and the this like right before the shark actually like starts attacking where they're they're just like sitting in the cabin and they're like first they start by like comparing scars right you know and that like escalates and like it's just like on them for like the scene is just them in the cabin like comparing scars and it's like no this one this one this one and then it like goes into like stories about how they got the scars and then like the tattoo Mm. of this like world the the Uh, u.s Indianapolis. indianapolis yeah which quint was on and like this unbelievable monologue that he gives about like oh man drop like delivering the bomb you know like during world war ii and then like just sharks like attack killing like eight five hundred eight hundred out of the eleven hundred people and it was so long but it was so good like film monologues are never that long yeah it was so it was a really long monologue and then and then like from there though like the scene continuing and like the way the tension shifted through the scene and then it ends with them all just like singing like us singing together you know it's like the the mood just like so fluidly like changed in like such a real believable way and then like from there it was sort of like and now the shark you know like now things are really gonna be going but i just like thought that was one of the best scenes i've like ever seen it was it was really really powerful every film every scene in this movie every character did feel just so intentional and that it was building Mm. towards like a unified goal i mean everything was either about how much people needed 
these people to be coming to the town, um, how much they needed to believe that there wasn't a shark out there, mm. um, how if you're not from the, the the pride that the town has that if you're not from there, then you're you'll never be someone from the right, town. Right. And then, you know, even though the characters themselves might not be characters we ever see again, that that dialogue is still really poignant and speaking to the heart of the film, especially when, you know, Brody's the sheriff who's from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was surprising. And and so often we hear of the like New York bubble and like coastal elites and things. I did think it was funny that he is this character that is the everyman, and he's from New York. Mm. I did mm-hmm. think that that was kind of ironic. I mean, I think that right and like New York City definitely, you right. know, because he talks about like the level of crime and everything in New York and yeah, how I mean, it, that was. So I yeah, I definitely. I mean, I think it's it's really just an indication that like bubbles don't really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way that like we like to sort of oversimplify things, but yeah, it, it, it did strike me as like a, oh, typically we don't, we, we don't consider the like New Yorker to be the everyman, at least in yeah. like the news. Well, and I feel like it, because it was more about his personality, that mm-hmm. sort of like, which I also really loved of seeing like a character who is a police officer and therefore like typically, you know, officers of the law or soldiers or like whoever are seen as like they don't show fear, right? Or like something like this. And right. and like that his sort of the everyman qualities of him are like the fact that he, yeah, just sort of like wants peace and quiet and is like, is scared of things and he doesn't understand, does, can't, doesn't know how to solve, you know, and like right. loves his family, uh, you know? And so like... He's a fish out of water. I oh. just thought of that <laughs> oh and God. I hate it. <laughs> oh, that could have been the name of the year too because oh, Jack Nicholson Oh, that really should have been... Because Jack Nicholson, is he's... a fish out yeah. of water. Okay. All right. We'll be... The year of a fish out of water. Uh, mm. um, let's keep going. Yeah. I, I, yeah even... Um, there was Even the fact that, like, he's from New York City, so he's not, like, a beach person, and yet he's the one that, like, has to go out on the water. Everything yeah. is... So, okay, that is my... This is, like, the one plot question. Okay. Why does he go on the boat? Like, why is he possibly chosen to go on the boat? Or, like, why? Why? I think it's because he has an, he, he has this, like, overwhelming moral duty to, to see this through but to the end. But it seemed like he didn't want to and that, like, Quint was like, and you're coming with me. You know, like it didn't seem like he was like, yes, I'll overcome my fear and go like that. That Quint didn't basically like Hooper wants to come. Mm-hmm. And so Quint is like, look at your soft hands. Like you don't know what you're doing on the on the bo- on the ocean. And then instead of so instead of like choosing a third person who like knows what he's doing on the ocean, he's like, you come with me, even though it's like this is the person who hates boats, hates the water is not going to be a he doesn't even know how to tie a knot, you know. Right. So I just thought that was like the one un perfect imperfect (laughs) yeah i could see that like they just needed to get him there and yet like so they didn't really have a good thing they're just like and you're coming with me and right because he has to be there you know but yeah yeah. but i saw it at at the time i i saw it as like he he just like had a sense of duty because he was mm-hmm. the only one from the beginning that was like, we need to be yeah. doing something and closing the beach and making the signs and, and calling the warning. And it doesn't matter how much money your town makes. People are going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I loved the scene where the boy's mom comes up to him and slaps him and is like, you know, you knew. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I found that so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was the break into act two where he was like, it wasn't quite the break into act two because I feel like his decision to, to cut open the shark and make sure and, and Mm -hmm. check and see if Mm -hmm. the boy was in there. Um, was that, but like, I definitely think he was motivated from that moment to make sure that he saw the fight to the end because he had neglected his duty before. Mm-hmm. Um, he had let himself be convinced by the mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, who, even the mayor, like, he's somebody who, you know, he's all about Flash and all about the the presentation of the town and, like, down to his his costumes. Right. I mean, his absurd, has, anchored like, crazy blazer. blazer. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> I've hated uh, yeah. padded embroidery since I was a wee lad. No. And I see him and I'm like, God, I hate this guy. Everything I hate. Everything yeah. I hate. Which is perfect for his character, though. Perfect yeah. for his character. One thing I, this is like a super random thing, but just because you mentioned the boy's mom. One thing I noticed throughout is that most of the, except for Brody and his wife, mm-hmm. like most of the parents of smaller children were very old. Did you know? Like she was, she was older. I did not. There ex- were a couple that mm-hmm. I saw like that where it was like surprisingly older, like in yeah. their like late forties at least, with like six or seven year old kids. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but I noticed it. Yeah, maybe it was because like all these people, they're not wearing sunscreen, and they're actually just twenty seven. <laughs> so they're just so they're not taking so care of their skin, and there's gray. no plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah. They're walking around with canes. Right. You know, they got no calcium in their bones because they haven't fortified the milk yet. There you go. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt like with regard to like women in the film that there were, I did think that the the women in the film were depicted really well that just on what you were commenting on earlier, that it's just that it lacks women. Yeah. There's, there's the reporter, there's the boy's mom and there's his wife. And and there's like the a business owner, a businesswoman mm-hmm. who like owns a hotel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so just like everyone, you know, every character who exists in the town is sort of is, I guess I'm inclined to call them symbolic. Um, and so there aren't really, you know, there there are no characters that we're really seeing like having scenes with one another. Mm. But although it does pass the Bechdel test, right? The scene on the beach about like when am I gonna be from here? And she's like, Oh, well, you weren't born here, so you never be it's from like here. It's like a three second background. It scene. just has to be two. Oh, they don't have names. They don't have names. Shit, there that's you go. what it is. They don't, they don't have, names. have names. Um, the, and then the hotel lady might have a name, but mm. I don't know her name. Hotel lady. But then like also, just half the movie is spent amongst the three of them. There's yeah. just, right. would, um, so it. And maybe the shark is a lady. Maybe could be a lady shark. Maybe in, in the so there's that's a, pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, the, there's another film, though, called Orca, where they're very definitive that it is a female hmm. whale. Well, they wouldn't know if it's a female shark. Yeah. Oh, shit. Never mind. It's a male. Fuck me. It's a what? male because they ca- they actually capture a female orca who gives birth oh. on the boat as they're capturing her. And then the male orca is watching. 
goes after it's him. Not the movie. Um, we're talking about. Yeah, a really toxic masculinity. The, the orcas part. The boat is called. Uh, the boat boat is called. So Orca. there's your connection. Yeah, um, because they're the shark killers. Ooh. Orca baby. Yeah. Um, apparently, when we intro the initial film, uh, when it introduced Quint, there was like a television playing Moby Dick. Oh. And they like cut it because like too, uh, too like on the nose. on the friggin' on. nose. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I I did feel that it was a bit absurd that he wouldn't just tell his own kids not to go in the water. Like his kids were, f- you know, like he mm-hmm. he'd be like, all right, just his kids are like. He's like, get out of the water, okay? You can't be in the boat. It's my birthday present, Dad. No, you can't be in the boat. I would be like, get out of the water. Mm-hmm. This many people are dead. Are oh, you right, freaking he's, kidding me? He's like, just go in the pond. Right. Which I guess, yeah, maybe it's like, I didn't really get a sense of what the, because what it looks like is the quote unquote quote pond is just mm-hmm. like also the ocean, you know, like c- protected by a cove. So you just don't expect the shark to go that shallow. Right. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I hear you too. I was like, that's, yeah. But that's such a that whole scene with like all the day when like all the tourists are here and everyone's sitting on the beach. It's like such an effective uh, because like we're just like you see all these bodies like slowly like one person goes in the water and then like more people go. And then suddenly it's like everyone and you're just like watching it like, oh, my God, where is this? You know, like you just feel so in line with um, Brody's point of Mm -hmm. view and like that tension is so palpable. I, I, I. So. This is part of the, the part of this has to do with like symbolism and part of the I feel like I'm attacking attaching this to the previous point about he, him not just being honest, at least with his own family about like you are not allowed to go in the water at all. I did think there were just some things about this film that you grew up in the in New England. I grew up in Maine. Yep. Do people swim out that far? Well, I couldn't. That was the thing. Like, I don't know how far those people were swimming. The, the water, it drops. I mean, the sand will drop off pretty quickly, you know? So you could be what looks like, I'm so bad at distances, a hundred feet out. And Mm -hmm. it's like, there's no ground beneath you, you know? Because like, I grew up on the beach also. Mm -hmm. And like, there were strong rules that were like, you know, if if when I was a kid, it was like, you are not to go above your knees. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowadays, it's like, I feel like I am making a big decision if I go above my waist Mm -hmm. and there's definitely things of like if you swim out to the sandbar you could die Mm -hmm. so like everyone's swimming out so far i'm like what is happening well i also it didn't look like they were actually going that far like some people were Mm -hmm. definitely like swimming so they couldn't touch the ground which i i will buy but like like the the fact that the shark was coming in kind of shallow Mm -hmm. or i don't know they kept talking about like beaches yeah like the the that like swimming is like the ideal I just kept, yeah. yeah, I just kept feeling like so many people are in (laughs) over their heads. Literally, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Also, could have been the week of being in over your head. Usually, you hate puns. Oh my god, I do hate it. Ah. Um, Yeah, yeah, and so like there were a few moments where I felt like maybe it's humorous or maybe it's absurd. Like the fact that he has two phones. With two phones, Brody. Two phones. Oh yeah, he had two phones on his wall, on his kitchen wall. I was like, well, it was like once for home and once for work, I guess. I guess, but I guess people have always had work phones. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, yeah, all the like background conversation. This was one of my favorite. I just like noticed so much in the beginning of the movie, like the way that the like background conversation came in and out 
you know, of like the way you could hear a couple phrases, like how well they matched with like what was happening or provided like a counterpoint, you know, Mm. like in that scene with the two phones, it's like his wife is cleaning the cut of his son. And like you can kind of hear in the background like them. Yeah. And it was just like really like remarkably well constructed, like all the audio. Yeah. Um, I, I love some of the the explanations of the shark and like what the demon is and it's seen as like a a communal exorcism. There was a lot of like post Watergate ideas about like the shark oh, and like what community and like a communal exorcism <laughs> oh restoring God. ideological confidence. Oh, stop and, like, it. It's just yeah, a shark. I know, right? I, um I was one I like in the beginning I was like, ooh, is the shark a metaphor? Mm. But I actually do think that like at least in terms of the intentions, I mean like sh- maybe there is some like just general like a general metaphor of like a right. general thing, but like it's fun to see what people will put on it. Like Watergate. <laughs> like Watergate, yeah. Um Water gate because of the ocean so number three (laughs) oh um i also felt like um i'm sorry it's okay if i I will just let you know i'm ready to move on i I am ready to move on oh i found it again yeah no do you recall on the boat it was like just at dusk there was like a weird little red streak Yes, I do. That was a real shooting star. <gasps> that was not like of something botched oh in the filming or in the editing. I, do I just that. was like, I feel like I have to know this is a real shooting star. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I feel like I saw two of them. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe your shower, <laughs> wow, baby. That's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I love, I think yeah, it, was it was a lot great, of fun. It was a lot of fun. I it, was great, it. it was a great movie. Although I was sitting there being like, they are, he, he was mirac- miraculously unaffected by watching quint get eaten alive that's true i, I mean i like, get yeah I, who but knows in that a, moment he's in shock i did think that the ending yeah i was also like uh, very startled by how quickly it ended like when it yeah they killed the shark and then they just like paddle to shore and immediately the credits roll and i was kind of like expecting some kind of like Return resolution yeah exactly yeah. and even just like yeah because like it there was even some sort of like happy music kind of playing mm-hmm. in the background and it did feel sort of like startling that's just like oh we blew it up and now we're kind of happy again, you know? Yeah. So. I also, uh, something I did like was there's so, I, now because they don't return to the town, even though everything in the film is super intentional, I'm wondering, was this the intention of the last lines where he's like, what day is it? Do you know what day it is? And he's like, uh, Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday. I did, I don't know if this is a hundred percent in reference, but everything before this is about the 4th of July, the 4th of July. I do like that. It's, yeah. it's just sort of like, eh, it's right. kind of like a misdirection where you totally. think it's like, like oh, it's, it's the fourth. fourth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're no, like, eh, yeah. Tuesday. I yeah. agree. That was fun. But yeah. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's find yeah. out. I want to know. So I, I guess, should I defend myself? Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. I would say I'm like mm, 70% on on board with keep the, oh, maybe still closer to 60 because man, the statutory rape shit is fucked up, especially the way he describes it. Oh God, it's awful. Um, and then it's also awful that it's defense. gone immediately after. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. I I'm it not just, sitting here being like, oh man, this like movie is the most perfect movie ever made. We gotta keep that shit out of it. But well, going, maybe I am. I'm open to ahead. changing and learning. Oh, you know, God. and my, yeah. I'm ready to be affected. Okay, so. um, but I also, I thought that much of it, 
like the more we learn about especially that like the people who are there are there voluntarily it's like oh okay well now there it felt much more of a commentary on like society on like sort of social like the social order and like confinement and people people's ability and willingness to sort of exist in a, a world with rules like i felt like some people seemed fine but like because they didn't fit in with mm -hmm. society they were declared insane but then there was also this thing of like the comfort that since they were choosing to be there the comfort of of living in a world with explicit rules mm -hmm. and explicit boundaries and like the fear of sort of the ambiguity of life mm -hmm. uh there was only one person that i was like "Ooh, this seems like you are being propified um which we don't really see until the party um do you remember the man that i'm talking about yeah i think we yeah this guy who we we see him standing against like the wall at one point when okay mac is like trying to get votes for people to agree to like change the tv to show the world series mm -hmm. and then he like walks up to this one guy and doesn't even like bother talking to him right and just kind of walks away and i think that's that guy who's yeah he he is the only person in the film who has like a physical disfigurement mm -hmm. from presumably like birth defects mm -hmm. and he's the only he, he has no like real arc or he has no humanity lines, or so lines or anything i mean he wouldn't have to necessarily have lines to sure have we see arc, him i like, think though in like he doesn't have like, any humanity at yeah. all um so it just it, it did feel a little bit well he is i mean i guess not to defend because like he doesn't have any humanity like he in that scene like smile like is given like Oh, drinks yeah. alcohol and like smiles you right. know which so, like, nobody does nobody, nobody takes a nobody sip and takes, smiles right like he's like, mm, like delicious no. Deli I, yeah i love the taste of when alcohol you've probably never had it or at least have not oh, had yeah. it in a very long time you would like, like oh wow yeah geez um so can we talk about like now, yeah, so I just is felt that your like, mm -hmm. I mean, it, yeah, is that my defense? Well, no, no, I don't I mean just that. Think I, just it mean would, I just think it I was like, like to rebut. fine. I think it like falls into the categories of movies that are like fine. Cause I don't think every movie has to be like a crazy, amazing movie. And crazy I just, amazing. and so like, I just think it was a fine movie that can just be there. Hmm. Um, I don't think that we have to get rid of it necessarily. Um, kind of like, uh, I think I have the same opinion on like the Godfather, but even the Godfather has like less of a, uh, even the God, the Godfather has much more like cultural impact. I feel like than one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So it's just like, it's fine. Don't want it to be remade. I don't want people to really talk about it all the time. I don't want it to be airing all the time, but I don't think we necessarily have to, not have had it got it if that makes sense yeah um yes here's we also lose all these actors. i mean we would have those actors are really like the it's very well acted like the actors yeah. across the board are fabulous and i'm sure that they would we would definitely still have christopher lloyd because he would have made the next movie and then five movies a year my so like the deep fundamental issue that i have with this it, it does have to do with that statutory rape thing and that the idea that like our our point of view character really is this guy uh, Mac, who is a character I 
don't want to empathize with because he, yes, he admits pretty happily to the fact that he did indeed commit statutory rape. And it is, I mean, I, again, I don't, this is why I don't think there's any argument to the fact that it's remorseless because like he like talks about it pretty happily. And then again, like you said, it just sort of disappears for the rest of the movie. Um, and I think that we are meant to see like nurse ratchet and like the way she sort of like maintains order and like rules. We're meant to see, I think we are meant to see her as like a villain kind of, and what Mac is doing as like, not necessarily the right way to do stuff, but like he's like free and he's bringing life to these people and he's like making them like, you know, want to encounter the world again and like feel things. Whereas she's sort of like keeping them here and like, you know, um, and I honestly like, so I was like genuinely shocked just to watch her see what actually what her character was because I had had this big expectation in my head of like, she's this sort of like tyrant. And I was like, she's just a incredibly like steadfast, uh, like woman who is in charge of this like really intense environment and like is sort of like m maintaining it in a way that I actually was like, this is probably the way to do it. Like she, I mean, when we get to the question of like the electroshock therapy and obviously the lobotomy, which is like a kind of crazy left turn, I thought like those things aside, like she is put in, she's in this crazy position of being one of like two women, women and like the one woman who is meant to be in charge of this like ward full mm. of men who are, some of them are violent, you know, and all of them are here for whatever level of like mental illness, you know, and that like, she is just literally like, she just like shows no emotion. She doesn't, she is not like overly kind. Right. And so because of that, I feel like she's like a bitch, you know, yeah. And like she is, but she's just like doing this incredibly hard job in a, and like not mm. like unfazed, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that the movie is trying to make us like see her as one of the bad guys and that we are meant like by the end, the sort of like, it, it feels like a tragedy, you know, that he, that Mac gets like this lobotomy. Uh, and I, and like, uh, I don't think that anyone should get a lobotomy, you know, but like, he is not a good person like and he is and he like is n he doesn't follow the law obviously but also like has a really troubling relationship to like women and sex and power and like i don't think he belongs back out in the world like he should probably just have gone to prison you know or something but like he, we the the, f the idea that we are meant to like see his downfall kind of as a tragedy like is really upsetting to me um you know, and even that big party scene, it's like, this is a terrible idea. Like some of these people, like whether or not they're here voluntarily, it's like if you disrupting the order like this and giving them substances and like literally like pimping out your girlfriend, you well, know, she, like, yeah, she was, according to things I looked at, it's not, it's only implied in the film lightly, but apparently she is a sex worker. But, sure, but right. okay. I mean, well, but but just yeah. to clarify that she's not his his, his girlfriend, girlfriend, not yeah. that her treatment, not saying that her treatment right. in the film is. But good, even that, like, not. if she is a sex worker, like she, yeah, and then that's that's the whole issue of like how the women are represented, like how she specifically is represented, and like she, the first time we meet her, yeah, it looks like like Mac kind of like brings her out from behind a, a house, and so it's like, mm. oh, they probably just like had sex, and and like 
I could, you know, certainly it does seem to imply that she is a sex worker or something, but like still, it's like she gets on, why, who would agree to like go on a boat with a bunch of people who are, you just literally like took out of an, a right, mental that institution seemed so and dangerous. then who would agree to like break into, like come in and have a party with the same people. Right. It's like, it doesn't make sense as they, far as her being a human, like that she would yeah. do this. You they know? also did not clarify that like he went to jail for statutory rape. He was transferred from jail to the mental, ins- the mental hospital. And then he goes out and picks up woman who, with whom he is like close with. So the film did not clarify in any way whether or not this was said 15 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, I had a, a huge problem with that. I, and I actually couldn't find clarification on mm-hmm. whether or not she was, which also means that it, it's just sort of a like it didn't random matter. anonymous yeah. person in the beginning. And it's like, well, what, who just like sort of disappears and mm-hmm. sort of is is a prop to yeah a vehicle to push him into the story yeah um yeah yeah and i also like thinking about like people of color there are actually like a a good number of people of color and like represented in the film um and but like the one thing of the the night guard who they bribed to like allow the party to happen which also would like there was a really beautiful moment where we like heard on the radio was like the day of the the Birmingham church that got bombed and the three African-American girls were killed and, and like, and we saw the guard like walk out this other nurse and like hold like, Mm -hmm. you know, arm around her and everything. But then he comes back and like, they, I just, it was really like made me cringe a little bit. Like the way that they, cause he's one of the, I mean, there's other like orderlies who are there who are people of color and then like a couple of nurses, but he's the one who like really, we get the most time with, especially as far as a speaking character. Um, and like, immediately it was very easy to like bribe him and also be like oh don't worry there's gonna be booze and like look at those two like women like you can ha- have them right because he wasn't like, like he wasn't and not only that he like pushes the bribe right right from money he, like he's like no right. i don't want money what about alcohol no i don't want that I like want i want the one women. Of the women yeah, yeah. exactly and like so it's like you know morally like a little unscrupulous and like just uh and I was like, what? Really? And then, and then later he's, and he's like, this is my job. Like, you know, like, give, like, what are you right. doing? But like, I just, yeah, I was like, why, why does he have to be like only interested in like sex and liquor and money? You know, mm. and like that just didn't seem, that didn't sit well. Um, can, we, yeah. can you help me decode what I felt like the gender and like racial groupings in the movie were really sig- were like they were just too consistent not to be significant, but I have no idea what they mean. Hmm. Like, what do you mean? um, so all of the, with the exception of chief, all of the patients mm-hmm. were white. Right. All of the, I'm inclined to you call them orderlies, but yeah, I don't really know what they would be. They're referred to as orderlies. Okay, yeah. um, are black, mm-hmm. and then the people in charge of the war of that ward are white women, and then the people in charge of the hospital are all men, mm-hmm. um, and then 
when they get like transferred to like where he gets the convulsive therapy, suddenly all of those orderlies are white men. So it just seems like it was intentional, but I have no idea what the meaning of it is. Um, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the meaning as far as like the differentiation between like on this floor, all the orderlies are like black men mostly, and then mm. on this floor, like all the orderlies are white men. Like I don't know what that meant. Um, especially like yeah, I don't know. It's set in the early '60s. Like yeah, I don't know like what, why that would ha- what that means. Right. Um, but like s- like it is interesting that like the women like Nurse Ratched, and then she had like this one other like nurse assistant who was a woman. Mm-hmm. were like in charge of the day-to-day on the ward um i was surprised w- it made me wonder if like historically actually that would happen like uh like would they really like mix genders like that with like patients versus uh staff because like it just seems to like be potentially like opening a whole another like set of questions or challenges you know to be like this is an entirely a group of men and like mm-hmm. these two women are like women you know who are you are supposed to be listening to but maybe they're yeah i just kind of was wanting more about like how they got these jobs or like is this the norm like why are you here versus you over here you know like yeah yeah, i because i honestly i don't know that i can help decode it um yeah uh, some of the criticism of the film is that like it's overly interested and it's metaphors and symbolism mm -hmm. in a way that like the plot itself doesn't end up holding up Mm. Um, and I think there's definitely like some, some truth to that because as we're talking about, like we're able to identify these things that we just don't actually have any idea about, like, like what are they? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I did think that I also thought there was something significant to the fact that like this board of, of men are there to determine whether or not he is sane Mm -hmm. or not Mm -hmm. and they're talking about how they've been watching him and they're talking about his behavior but we never see them watching ever yeah Yeah. watching uh it definitely seemed like they were sort they seemed like the quote-unquote man Mm -hmm. totally yeah they're like just like in suits sitting in like a a separate office all the time that's like the only time we see them it's true yeah um yeah how do they observe right that's hmm. yeah i felt I definitely felt the it was it's odd that like there are so many things that are brought up in the movie, but I feel like the movie only really seems to be trying to address that like it's commentary on society. Like mm-hmm. when they drive through the town, people are doing things that look just insane. <laughs> you know, like just sitting on a porch. Or like, like staring s- at nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, the couple that brings lawn chairs to watch television in the window mm. of this, sh- this store. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it became clear of like, oh, these people, there's like a line mm. in the sand drawn because these people have gone to the hospital, but like they're not necessarily any different from people. Yeah. Um, and they and this is around the time that there was a study done where these people f- knowing the symptoms of schizophrenia. Like they lied, said they had them, got admitted to a mental hospital mm. and then stopped. Mm. And the, the, the premise was to find out the, like the truth of 
the doctor's abilities to to determine whether or not people were getting better and they never found the patients to be healed hmm. there would be like regression of their symptoms but everything by nature of the fact that they had been declared schizophrenic all of their um all of their statements and all of their behaviors were being viewed because they were being viewed through the lens of someone with schizophrenia they were always sort of validating hmm. that diagnosis interesting um also the in terms of mcmurphy around the time they were doing the study that sh where they found that if you divide a, a they divided a room in half and told the teacher that like this half of the room is high performing students and this half of the room is low performing mm -hmm. students and like what what they actually did was it was a random assortment of students and they found that because of the because the teacher expected one group to be high performing and one group to be low performing by the end of the the academic year it, it was validating yeah. that so yeah. it's like you know how you treat people like he became he starts the movie and besides being a criminal sex offender is not like insane but you see him sort of be kind of undone by how he's by how he's treated and there's mm -hmm. lots of like other ways in society in which that happens um yeah and i think it i mean like that idea of it being a interesting like a commentary is really interesting and those those scenes where they go out of into the town and like see the people it's like oh the people that you see outside are doing the exact same thing that like you are doing in the ward like sitting there staring at a wall or mm -hmm. like watching tv like through a glass you know and like that is i think a really uh interesting you know and that like the film is addressing that um but i yeah but like i feel like the way that like treatment to mental illness is talked about or even that the thing you just said about like that mac kind of like we see him on like descend into like whatever it is like right. be undone it's not because of like the way he's treated really. It's just like because of the environment that he has lied himself into, you know, mm -hmm. like it's an environment of like strict rules and structure and rigor so that like patients know what to expect and aren't set off, you know, and like that he's sort of like done this to himself. Uh, and even the thing where he's talking about like, you're scared of the world, like to the other, the voluntary patients, like I just feel like that's a harmful like way to to like a harmful like message to take from the movie of like watching him like push these people like what are you doing like you could just go back in the world you're just scared you know that like that really does detract from the idea the fact that like mental illness is an illness you know and that like it's not about your own like how you wish you behaved or like about like anything even necessarily tangible to like your life it's just like something that is happening to you you know like having a broken leg and and like whether or not these people like the fact that they wanted to be there or that they like checked themselves in voluntarily it's like that they should be like respected to, for doing that you know and that like uh you know and clearly like even so like billy who was voluntary it's like by the end he commits suicide you know um and so like his him being there even though it's voluntary is like him trying to get treatment you know for what he has which is a disease you know of a mental illness and i i i didn't i hated that like in the end right before that happens that like the reason he 
commit suicide is because Miss Nurse Ratchet like says like I'm gonna tell your mom, mm-hmm. and I was like so un- frustrated that like in that moment they made her that person because it seemed throughout like that wasn't who she was you know like that she yes she has this idea of order but like she always calls everyone like mr whatever your name is you know and like treats them respectfully and like waits for them to like be calm to like talk and talks to them in a calm voice you know and like that in that moment like her frustration and like overwhelmedness about like the chaos that she had walked into that like made her into this like sex shaming person like prude basically Mm -hmm. Um, who like vindictive, like I'm going to tell your mom, you know, like was a really disappointing moment because I just like felt like that wasn't, that isn't what she would do as a like professional medical, like social work, like, you know, worker, right? Like that just didn't seem like something she would do. One of the things I was saying that, uh, I brought up that I would make a comment on and I haven't yet. So I'll do it now is that she is the reason that that character is portrayed empathetically. Hmm. That, oh, interesting. that she's the reason that she decided that she would <coughs> be can be striving for the good of the patients, whereas Foreman, the director, saw her as like the personification of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it. Hmm. Which in itself, like, yeah, it's like mm. that is too bad. Like that's the the assumption of like her who she is, and even just like taking her lines, like forgetting her performance like the fact that he put that interpretation on it and maybe it comes from the book of the way that the character is described you know through narration or whatever it is but like there's no reason just like language wise that she would have to be portrayed as evil or something you Mm -hmm. know and so like so why so yeah so like why would you make that choice so i'm glad to hear that like she the actor made the sort of more empathetic choice because it's also just like more it's stronger for, and it's like more unusual to see a woman in this position of power, just like unfazed by these men, you know, and not like taking it personally and like yelling at them or like, you know, treating them in some like cruel way, you know, like just taking it and being strong, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty badass. I feel disappointed. I mean, as we, uh, well, I mean, not disappointed. I, I mean, I am in myself because as we talk Aww. about it, like it really, well, it just, it is, it's really like pretty egregious. And so it makes me, I mean, this is kind of getting at the, the heart of the podcast really that like somehow I'm able to come out of the film with this sort of excusatory attitude toward the things that occur in the film and like do like uh, this commentary on society blah 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 like the quality of the performances blah 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 and yet when when we actually talk about what is being carelessly Mm. depicted which is like really kind of the most important part like if it's done things like careless reference Mm to the statutory rape of a 13 year old, especially when like, man, this was really close to the Roman Polanski incident, like really close. Mm. Um, And someone who's like still making films and winning Oscars um, Mm. that I can sort of, that I have the ability to be like, yes, but Mm. that's, that's disappointing for me in yeah. me that's disappointing about me for me 
Well, I but I think like I it's we are yeah like that's why we're making doing this show and like I think like talking like actually talking through it like is the way to like discover those things you know and like we're not expected usually as viewers to like watch a Hollywood film and like think critically about those things like Mm -hmm. it's like this movie in particular like it's probably just meant to be even the designation of it as like a comedy drama it's like meant to be entertaining and meant to be like you know whatever it is and so like thinking about it critically you know it's like yeah right and then people are like inclined always to just be like well i think it's just supposed to be blank or it's like i think it's supposed to be i think you might be overthinking right it. And but it's, it's like, like but actually that these representations really matter and like these depict especially if we're not supposed to be like thinking critically then it means that we're just like slowly absorbing subconsciously like all these problematic things you know and so like yeah like it's it's really hard and like really not something that we are like we have to like keep training ourselves to do you know yeah yeah you're making a sad face i am should we um see if our opinions have changed yeah yeah who knows (laughs) one two three trace jaws (laughs) steven i want to give you a hug i'm sad like i want to be i hate it i know i know but you know but like this is so important and like that uh, yeah, yeah, it's it it's okay. I respect you, and you are a wonderful, smart person. So, don't worry. Okay, and hey, right. you're reading. You are reading this awesome book of essays. You have changed your opinion on this film just now, and like, that's huge. Those are those are big things that a lot of, especially just especially dudes, don't do. No. Yeah, maybe by 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 the time we get to 2019, hopefully I'm not doing things like this anymore. Mm. Hopefully movies aren't doing things like mm, this anymore. True. But I don't trust I that. I don't it. trust yeah. that at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh God. All right. Well, another one gone. <laughs> another one gone. I feel, I feel great about this. Is like the best conversation. Like I love that this happened. Yeah. You know? like, I mean, I actually really love that. Yeah. Because we had like we really like had to analyze it and like identify all these things. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I think this was great and I I'm sorry that it had to make you feel bad to get there but that like this is really this was awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately a lot of the way that like this kind of conversation goes a lot of the way that reading said collection of essays goes is a lot of me feeling bad. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. you know, you ain't going to get anywhere if you don't confront that shit and that's, that's why I, I think that a people should read that book and then people should talk about messaging in film that that isn't necessarily yeah fuck it yeah. kill me <laughs> jesus christ um all right well we'll be back at it well next we'll week. be back at it next yes. week 1976 the coming at you and yeah this is another one where the top grossing film and the best picture are the same rocky rocky yeah baby yeah and then we're gonna do television Mm. again and the television show is sunday monday happy days i've never there you go (laughs) you've never seen it but that's the that's the theme song (laughs) i was like tuesday wednesday happy days yeah (laughs) you know it you know happy days gina you know it you know this what is even the question anymore saturday sunday i don't actually not a happy it's too far probably i'm pretty sure they're all just happy days you know that's cool
but yeah, so we'll be doing Rocky and we'll be doing Happy Days. Great. So, yeah. Great. Um, check them out. And yeah, if you want to like follow us or whatever, I'm Gina with the underscore with a G. Uh-huh. Steven Steven Moskis. Yeah. We are Rock Rising Productions Podcast. Oh my God. Can, I just feel like I have to comment on the fact that like, this is another thing that we have chosen to flip. It's true. Yeah. Ah, look at that. Look We're at that. Flipping all the this paradigms. 1975, baby. It's a flipped up year. <laughs> flipped Woo. up. So yeah, we'll see you then. Bye. This has been a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Thanks for listening.